You're listening to another life-transforming message from Awakened Church with campuses in San Diego and Salt Lake City. To find out more about us, go to awakenedchurch.com. Ashley, in hero, I said in the first service, Sarah sings like an angel, but she's actually playing a demon in Hero the Rock musical and you do a mighty fine job but I'm glad to see that it's something that you put on and then take off and we see your angelic self here today. Scotty the head Pharisee, I'm watching you, I'm watching you, oh I'm watching you. Oh it's wonderful to be in church everyone and we're having a great Sunday across all our services here. Pastor Jürgen's at our Balboa campus. Every single service at an awakened church today we are preaching on the power of the blood preaching on communion and communion is what is one of the most powerful actions that you and I can engage in as a believer but quite often we can we can be a little bit casual with it we can forget its power and its meaning and so i'm so excited that we can just spend the next 30 minutes together learning about the power of the blood so i do want you to do just as pastor cat said i want you to lean in for some of you every point is going to minister to you for others of you you may have heard it all before and it's going to amen what god has already revealed to you and for some others of you you're going to hear things you've never heard before and it's going to change you it's going to change your life and it's going to change your family and at the end we are going to take communion together you ready all right let's let's start by reading the word Uh, I'm going to be reading from the book of Isaiah, chapter number 53, verses 1 to 5. And this was Isaiah the prophet prophesying about Jesus, the Messiah, and what would be accomplished on the cross 700 years before it happened. Now, that's a wow factor. So if you're waiting for a vision to come to pass in your life, be of good courage. (laughs) What? It didn't happen. How long has it been? A minute. Well, certainly there are a lot of people in the Bible that had to wait a a certain length of time. Okay. Who has believed our report? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant. This is Isaiah talking about Jesus. And as a root out of the dry ground, the dry ground of religion. He has no form or comeliness. There's nothing about him in the natural that you should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we did not esteem him. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted, and for good reason. But he was wounded for our transgressions. Somebody do this as I say that, for our transgressions. He was bruised for our, for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him and by his stripes we, not just me, we, all of us, everybody breathing oxygen on God's green earth, we are healed. All right, somebody needs to give God a shout. We're going to set the tone. 
We're going to set the tone to victory this morning. So what I want to do today is I want to highlight and bring a little bit of teaching around what this blood, the shed blood of Jesus Christ on Calvary means for you and I. When he stretched out his hands on that cross and blood flowed, I want to say to you today that blood was for you. And the title of my message today is that this blood is for you. So I'm going to take a bit of time to teach around the four most important things that happened as a result of Jesus shedding his blood for you. Now, some of them may be something that you know or have known for a really long time, but hang in there. Resist the desire to yawn and go, oh my gosh, this is so elementary. Because quite often in life, it's the, it's the foundational things that we forget or we don't get wrong. And we wonder why our life's out of balance. It's because the foundations aren't secure. So this is going to be a foundational message today. So do that, take notes and let God speak to you. The first one, and one that most Christians are familiar with, is the forgiveness of sin. And I never want you to discount what it means to be forgiven. We have a whole world that is locked up in torment and cycles of dysfunction because they do not know that a saviour hung on a cross over 2,000 years ago and shed his blood so we could be forgiven. Charles Spurgeon said this, and I think it's such a profound statement. He said, there may be some sins of which a man cannot speak. But there is no sin. Somebody say no sin. There is no sin that the blood of Jesus cannot wash away. Now, I'm not assuming that there's people sitting in here and the biggest sin you've ever done is just smoking a little cigarette or getting a tattoo when your mother said you couldn't get one. But maybe you're sitting here today and you're thinking, but you don't know the weight of the sins that I have committed. There is no sin that the blood of Jesus cannot wash away. You may not be able to speak of it. You may not be able to mention it, mention it, whisper it, and even to think back on it causes you great shame. But I want you to know today, the blood of Jesus forgives all your transgressions. Let me tell you a story that happened at our Men's Emerge conference. We, saw the, we just saw the promotion there, all the men getting to deck together doing man stuff and they've got, I don't know, a Lord of the Flies helmet on and they're running. I mean, it's wild. It's quite a wild. It's like Lord of the Rings. I'll never forget a story that was told to me by Pastor Andrew Bennett about an encounter he had with a man at a merge conference a couple of years ago. At the men's conference, upon arrival at the conference, all the men are given what is called a burden. And that burden is a piece of wood that they have strapped to their back and on it they're to write all their sins, all the things that they're struggling with, all their shames, all their weaknesses, all their defaults and dysfunctions, obviously with that piece of wood turned around so it faces their back so everybody isn't looking going, okay, all right, yeah, I thought so. You know, it's done with a level of discretion. However, at the end of the last night, and and they're carrying this burden as an understanding of what it's like to go around in life carrying the weight of sin. And they sit around the bonfire on the final session of the final evening, and they get together and they pray for one another and they take off their burdens and they kind of sit with a guy next to them, a leader or a pastor, and they pray together 
They release those things to God. They declare they are covered by the blood. And then they throw them into the bonfire, signifying they're gone, they're dead forever. Freedom from sin, forgiveness of sin. So Pastor Andrew was sitting next to this guy he'd not really met before, didn't know very well, but came over and sat alongside him and started to pray with him. And as they were going through the process, this man turned to Pastor Andrew and said, look at this, and showed him the burden, showed him the piece of wood with all the sins and all the habits and all the addictions and all the dysfunctions written out on it plainly. And he just looked at Pastor Andrew with eyes rimming with tears and said to him, how could God forgive this? And Pastor Andrew said, in all honesty, when I looked at what was written on that board, I was shocked. And he said, in my human fleshly moment, I thought, oh my gosh, like, you're right. <laughs> like, this is, this is a lot. But thank God for the Holy Spirit, who was our helper, and whispered to Pastor Andrew and said to him, tell the man to turn the piece of wood over. So he did. And he said, now ask him what he sees on the other side. And so the man turned over the piece of wood and Andrew said to him, now what do you see? And he said, nothing. The wood is blank. There's nothing here. And he said, exactly. That is exactly what Jesus Christ's blood has done for you. Though your sins may be red as scarlet, the prophet Isaiah tells us, I have washed you white as snow. And I love that scripture in Isaiah. We can go ahead and put that one up. This is God's message. Let's argue this out. Did you know that God's an arguer? And you know what he wants to argue with you? About what happens when his blood falls on your sin, on your habit, on your addiction. It is wiped irreversibly clean. So maybe today you're carrying something. Maybe you're sitting here and you're as pure as the wind-driven snow and this means nothing to you. But for those of you... For those of you that are harboring deep shame, regret, anguish, and guilt over the sins of your past, you are in the right place at the right time. The blood of Jesus shed for you means complete, total, and utter forgiveness of your sins from the time you took your first breath till the time you take your last. You have been forgiven. Somebody say amen. Amen. God took the penalty. Jesus Christ took the penalty for our sin. Sin required a blood sacrifice. And the Bible says that Jesus Christ was the lamb, the sacrifice slain for the salvation of mankind. Just what John the Baptist said when Jesus came to him ready to get baptized. And he said, behold, the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. You have been forgiven. Will you accept that forgiveness today and understand that Jesus's shed blood was for you. This blood is for you. Amen, Leanne. And I will tell you this. There is a reason that Jesus said his last words on the cross. It is finished. It is finished. What was he talking about? The power of sin to reign over your mortal body and every hold, every legal hold the devil ever had on a soul. Amen. Thank you, Jesus, for your blood. This blood is for you. The second thing that this blood does is it gives us freedom from our iniquities. 
Now, let me break this down because many of us have wrongly believed, and I don't know whether I've heard a ton of teaching in the church around the difference between sin and iniquity. Sin is the choices we make. We chose to lie. We chose to steal a box of pens from work. We chose to enter into an adulterous relationship. We chose to operate in anger. We chose to punch that guy in the face. We chose, we chose. Iniquities, however, are the sins or the bents of our family line that somehow we are born with a little bit of a predisposition to. It's like a family sin. So you may grow up in a family where, uh, you know what, my grandma was anxious, my mother was anxious, and I'm just anxious too. You know what that is? That's an iniquity. David put it this way in Psalm 51. Go ahead and put that scripture up. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin my mother conceived me. What's he saying here? That in utero, there were some bents and some dysfunctions and some distortions kind of woven into the fabric of who I am because we live in a fallen world. So actually that term iniquity in the Hebrew means a distortion or a bent. And you'll find that most of us, in fact all of us, will grow up with certain dysfunctions and bents and inclinations. And we didn't ask for them. We didn't choose them. I don't want to feel this way. I would give anything not to feel this way. Why do I feel that I have a propensity to this certain attitude, this certain behavior, this addiction? That's why we hear things like, what walks in fathers runs in sons. Maybe family spirit. Oh, and my, my grandfather was an alcoholic and my father was an alcoholic and now I have a problem with alcohol. Now, that's just not happenstance. That's an iniquity. So how beautiful that God says in the midst of this, there are going to be some sins that you choose to indulge in, but there are going to be others that weren't your choosing, but because of the nature of our fallen world, they're kind of interwoven in your spiritual DNA. But I'm telling you, I didn't just come to set you free of your sins, but your iniquities too. The sin in your family line, I break it in Jesus' name. I declare it is finished. It is finished. It is finished. You didn't choose it, but maybe someone in your family line did, and now it's become a pattern in your family. And people will say, well, I was just born this way. Wrong. You may have had some inclinations and some predispositions and some distortions and some bents, but the blood of Jesus came to set you free, not just from your sins, but from your iniquities as well. Somebody say amen. 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 This is wonderful news. It really is wonderful news. When you think about all the things in your life that you inherited, and it feels so unfair. Why did I inherit this struggle, this propensity toward addiction, this propensity toward anxiety or mental illness? You may have inherited it from your natural family, but you're part of a new family now. And here's what happens. When you become a born-again Christian and you accept what Jesus' blood means for you, it's like God gets you and he lays you on a hospital gurney and you go about a complete blood transfusion. And the old blood, the, the blood of your family, full of iniquity and full of distortions and full of bents is cleansed out of you and you are now filled with the blood of the Lamb. I want to encourage you today 
Stop comparing yourself to the wrong father. When we take communion, we are not just receiving forgiveness for our sins, but the sins and the bents and the inclinations of your fathers before you. It is finished. So really take a minute right now to think about what that means for you. What does that mean for you? What has the devil been beating you up about? And if you're honest, you're a little angry at God. I didn't ask for this. I don't want to be this way. Just remember, not just your sins, but your iniquities. Release it to God and say, oh, Father, I've been believing a lie about myself. I didn't realize that the old was cut off and the new has come. And I refuse to listen to the lies of the enemy anymore. I'm a new creation. There's many things in my personal life I've had to do with this with, like many bents and inclinations from my family. And I was raised in the church. I've got beautiful parents, but we certainly had propensities to certain things that I had to wrestle with God over. Well, this is just me. And he's like, it may have used to have been you, and maybe it was passed on from your daddy, but understand that line was broken because I've forgiven not just your sins, but your iniquities too. Somebody say amen. Amen. Amen, amen. Jesus changes legacies. What does freedom from iniquity mean? He's going to change your legacy. So when we take this communion, and this is why I'm so pumped to do this service, because often, you know, in the, in the busyness of putting a service together and we've, we've got all the things that we need to get done, we can gloss over or diminish the power of this most sacred of moments. That's why when Jesus got together with his disciples before he ascended into heaven, he said, I want you to take the wine and take the bread, and I want you to do it in remembrance of me. And he's asking them to remember all this. Your sins have been forgiven and your iniquities too. You are a new creation. Don't let the devil rob from you anymore. You're picking this up today. You're picking it up. Come on, I'm so happy you are. Come on, there you go. That's how it's done, Scotty. When we got the Pharisees amening, I'm telling you, it's got to be. Who is this woman? Oh, put your stones away. <laughs> oh, it's a wonderful thing. Oh, it's a wonderful thing. And we're going to experience it together soon. And, and I just know you're going to be taking communion with new eyes. And in case I forget to say it later, I'm going to say now, you can take communion at home anytime. Anytime you feel the devil whispering, knocking on your door, trying to get you to believe that you are the sum total of your past mistakes and God can't forgive you and you can't be set free from this thing because it's in your family line, take communion. The devil shakes at the sight of the emblem of the blood. That's why the Bible says in the book of Revelation, we overcome the devil the most powerful force of wickedness on planet Earth, by what? Say it again. The blood of the Lamb. So we have this nuclear bomb in our homes in the form of cranberry juice just sitting in the fridge waiting to be activated. And here we are letting the devil pipe off in our minds with regret and shame and guilt and anger at God because I didn't choose to be this way and you got a weapon of warfare in your pantry, it's, it's going to shift. 
So right now we're going to change the way we see communion. It's not just a moment. It's a religious moment. It's a profound, reverent moment that will change your life. Okay, it's an intense morning. (laughs) The third thing, healing in our mind. The Bible says that the chastisement for our peace was upon him. And isn't this a word that the world needs to hear? With mental illness becoming the greatest plague of illness on our planet. And the world has no answers outside of medication. And I'm, I'm, look, I'm not here to argue medication. But I will say this. Let's deal with the root. Let's deal with the root. What a, what a powerful spiritual medication God has given us. The blood and the body. Imagine if before we ran to the doctor for antidepressants, we grabbed a hold of this and got a revelation of what Jesus shed blood means. Peace in my mind, not just healing in my body, not just forgiveness of my sins, not just forgiveness and cleansing from my family sins, my iniquities, but I can live without anxiety. I can live without fear. I can live without insecurity and all the other blights a lack of peace have represented in humankind. You know, in the Bible, we see a picture during the crucifixion, which was brutal. And it was brutal for a reason, and God allowed it for a reason. So when Jesus was about to be put on the cross, the the Roman soldiers fashioned a crown made of thorns, of briars. And I've seen those bad boys up close and personal. They're everywhere in Israel. And it's not like some little, little, ooh, a rose thorn. No, we're talking like they're that big. Like you could kill somebody with one of those things. And so they got one of these, uh, this crown of thorns. They made a crown of thorns and they viciously shoved it on his head to mock him. However, God allowed him because it was actually a prophetic picture. Jesus would have thorns shoved into his head So you and I didn't have to live with thorns in ours. And isn't that that a wonderful thing? The thorn of anxiety, the thorn of torment, the thorn of all the other mental illnesses that we see at work in the world today. Can you believe that this one act that so often gets glossed over in the Christian world has the power to transform the mind? He did not just come to heal your physical body but your mental state as well God cares about the whole you he doesn't want you to just act happy he doesn't want you to just come to church and pretend to be at peace there are some churches they're happy for you to just act that's that's not awakened that's not awakened I'll tell you why because God doesn't want you to just act right or act happy he wants you to be right like being right standing with him he wants you to be happy, not act happy, not act joyful. Oh, I'm going to fake it till I make it. Uh, I, it makes me sad because Jesus came to dispel all that. I mean, he looked at the Pharisees, Scotty down the front here, <laughs> and he said to them, he's, like, because they were all about pretending. Oh, I'm, I'm so whitewashed and look at me with my perfect robe and my phylacteries and telling everybody what to do. He just looks at them and he's like, Guys, you are missing out. You are like whitewashed tombs. You're obsessed with the outside. 
but on the inside of you is nothing but dead men's bones and all uncleanliness. And he couldn't even really deal with the Pharisees because they were so close because they were happy to pretend. But then he found some disciples. And boy, were they a jacked up bunch initially. But he's like, I can deal with real, with transparent, with Peter who speaks and then thinks, and with Thomas who is full of doubts. I can deal with someone who's honest. So when you come to God, he doesn't want you to pretend. He wants you to just come as you are so he can bring healing to the areas of your life that needs it. So you're not just acting happy. You are happy. You're not just acting joyful and put together. You are joyful. You're not just pretending to be in peace. You actually are in peace. This is a big one for my family. Uh, My family actually, on my father's side, has a history of mental illness. It was an iniquity in our family. It was something in the family line. My dad grew up as a teenager, and often things don't come home to roost until you're really in your teenage and mid-20. I feel like the 30s is like if you're in your 30s right now, you are ripe for the age of God to deal with all your stuff. (laughs) It's like, like, ooh, it's their 30th birthday. Ooh, fiddle-dee-dee. Yeah, we're going to take off those pull-ups indeed. So this was true for my father, and he was born into a great, you know, a beautiful Christian family, church going. They're a family that was involved in politics. They had a certain image they needed to project to the community. My grandfather was the mayor of our town for 15 years, and so there was a certain image that had to be projected. But on the inside, he had so much, so much torment and turmoil He met my mother, they got married at a young age, and within a couple of years of getting married, my father descended into a deep depression, a deep depression, anxiety, and like a self-hatred. And he actually, before my third birthday, tried to take his own life three times. So this is very personal to me, healing of the mind. And I would tell you, I actually never knew my father in his mentally unstable state, not not once. In fact, the man I know today is so far removed from the stories my parents tell me of how it used to look, I can't even put the two together. So powerful is the act of communion, and I want to say today, it didn't just happen. It happened because not only did my father seek out deliverance from a person that knew that the Bible says in Luke chapter 10 that he has being God, given us all authority over the power of the enemy. If you're struggling and tormented in your mind, it's not God's will for you. He's not given you a mental illness to teach you a lesson. That is a spirit, we can cast it out. And you can have your mind transformed and start to live in real peace because of this shed blood. And this is the truth of my father's testimony. And in our family line, the bondage and the torment of mental illness has been broken because of the bravery of my father. And daily, I would see my mum and dad take communion. And still to this day, they take it at least once a week and pray for the entire family. My family legacy of mental illness has been changed because of the power of communion, because of the blood of Jesus. So please don't see mental illness as a life sentence. See this today as your prescription from the Holy Ghost. Now, I'm not saying anybody go home and stop taking medication. I am absolutely not saying that. But at least take this as well every day. Every day. Father, I thank you. 
that because of your blood, when the destroyer comes over my house, over my life, he must pass over. And what we're doing with communion is literally just a modern-day equivalent of what the Israelites did when they were getting ready to flee from Egypt. So God spoke to them through Moses, and he said, I want you to get the blood of the lamb, and I want you to put it on the doorposts of your house. So when the spirit of death flies over, he sees the blood of the lamb, and he's like, eek, not going in there. This is exactly what we're doing when we take communion. So mums and dads, mums and dads, can I put a challenge out to you today? If there is anyone in your household, including yourself, struggling with the peace in their mind, take communion. You declare, devil, get off my family. Dads, like seriously, like take your head of the household role seriously. If the devil's messing with your kids, he's taking from something or stealing from, from you something that he is not entitled to have. This sealed it. This is a receipt of a transaction that was made over 2,000 years ago for complete peace in your mind. If your kids are struggling with terrors in the night or anxiety, and it's become a plague, especially during 2020, the amount of young people suffering with anxiety, and we can do something about it. We can do something about it. Become an avid communion taker. I promise you, it, it, it almost seems too good to be true. And you're sitting there going, oh my gosh, if only it was that simple. Test me. Try me. See how the atmosphere in your home shifts when you step up and you start taking spiritual authority that has been given to you by your God and by the death of our Saviour, Jesus Christ, on the cross. This blood is for you. Somebody say, this blood is for me. Say it again. This blood is for me. Amen. I just love you guys. And we see it in the stories. We see it with the demoniac of Gadarenes. And the Bible says that he was so tormented that he was hanging out in a cemetery, which is so creepy. He didn't sleep. He was up and tormented night and day. They couldn't even bind him with chains. He was so demonically energized. The Bible says he was cutting himself with, with stones. Something in him, some perverted demonic understanding of the fact that there needed to be the shedding of blood to bring peace. But instead of receiving the shed blood of Jesus, maybe if I cut myself, I'll get atonement. And we're seeing a, a plague of it and a blight of it in our young people. It's a demon. If you know anyone who's cutting themselves, it's a spirit. It's a spirit. And as a believer, you have all authority over the power of the enemy. You command that unclean spirit, just as Jesus did, in Jesus' name, to get off that person and trouble them no more. And miracle of miracle happened when the demoniac of Gadarenes had an encounter with Jesus. The Bible says that the demons, not a demon, demons, so many, they had to call it legion, which is a military term, which is a whole mess of bad boys, got cast out of him and then jumped into a load of pigs and then those pigs drowned themselves in the ocean. But the most amazing thing about that story is that the townsfolk came to encounter this man. He was like the, he was like the town nutcase. People had written him off. Oh, demoniac hanging out in the graveyards. And the kids used to run by probably and point and laugh and dare each other to get close. But then the townsfolk were in awe 
after he'd had an encounter with Jesus and everything Jesus did to random people in the New Testament before the cross is available for everyone after his death on Calvary and his resurrection. What he was able to do for a few, he was able to do for everyone. He's now able to do for everybody with his shed blood. And they saw him after he'd had an encounter with Jesus. And the Bible says that he was seated, clothed and in his right mind. Don't tell me that there is no cure or solution for mental illness. There is. It's the blood of Jesus Christ. The greatest prescription, heavenly prescription you could ever take. So let's not be cavalier with it anymore. And then finally, healing in our bodies, healing in our bodies. The Bible says, and by His stripes we are healed. I want to ask you this question. When you take communion, do you think of healing? Most Christians take the emblem of the blood and say, thank you, God, that I've been forgiven from sin. And it is wonderful. It is everything. It is praiseworthy. But that's not all. How good is God? Because according to the scriptures that I've read read to you, Jesus' sacrifice covered every area of man's existence. He bore spiritual torment for our sins, mental distress for our worry, care, sorrow and fear, as well as physical pain for our sickness and disease. I have a personal testimony of that. My own mother uh, was cured or healed by the Lord by taking communion of a heart condition that killed her mother at the age of 42. She was told, don't expect to live much past your own mother. You've got five little girls. You need to get your affairs in order. You're most likely going to follow the same fate as your mother. But my mom had gotten radically saved. And even though she was going to a church that didn't believe in healing, because she read her Bible for herself, she started to read scriptures that made things not add up. And then she started subscribing to uh, Kenneth Copeland, Believer's Voice of Victory. And she started hearing an amen to everything she was reading in the scripture. God can heal today. Well, if God can heal, then I'm going to get healed. And so she started taking communion daily and believing God for a turnabout in her physical health. And day after day, she'd, she'd take communion and she'd believe God and she'd pray. And then she'd notice some like symptoms are not, symptoms are disappearing, but she was still faithfully taking the medication that they said she should take for the rest, she needed to take for the rest of her life. But then she turned to my father one day who had had his own healing from mental illness and deliverance and said, Alan, I think I'm healed. I honestly think I'm healed. And they went back to the family doctor and he did all the tests and he's like, I, like my mind is blown. I do not know what has happened. You have a perfect heart. I see no evidence of this disease. And he's like, I don't see any reason why you can't come off this medication. I feel crazy saying that, but there is no evidence of this disease in your body. My mother's mother died at 42. My mother, just this past December, celebrated her 72nd birthday and has been completely free of this heart disease ever, ever since. He heals our diseases. I want you to grab a hold of this emblem right now. And I want you to have an understanding of everything that this means. I heard it once said, 
that he or she who warfares with the blood of Jesus warfares with a weapon that does not know defeat. And I think many of us are living with defeat in our lives today, not because the enemy hasn't been defeated, not because it's not finished, because it is, but we just don't know the power behind this very significant moment and tenet of the Christian faith. This is not a two-minute segue between the worship song and the offering. This is the most powerful act of warfare every Christian can engage in. So much so across the world this Easter, multitudes, over a billion people are going to be meeting together to celebrate what happened on the cross of Calvary and everything it means for us. Not just forgiveness of our sins, not just freedom from our iniquities, healing in our mind and healing in our physical bodies. So when you view communion from this day forth, do not see it as some weak, cute little Christian tradition. Nothing could be further from truth. The truth is, is like spiritual napalm to take out every demon that is knocking at your door. So right now in this moment of reverence and understanding, I want us to take this cracker and this juice that represents the broken body and the shed blood of Jesus together. And I want you to think about what this blood means for you. I want you to close your eyes and I want you to look away to God. What has it purchased for you? What do you need to access today? Forgiveness of sin, freedom from those iniquities, those thoughts that plague, healing in your mind. Do not accept anything less than the peace that Jesus died to give you. And healing in your physical body. We can have it. We can access it today through the blood of Jesus Christ. This blood is for you. Let's just take one minute to just, together with the Holy Spirit, just really process this moment and let God do a work in you. When you drink that blood, you are drinking heaven's prescription. Heaven's prescription. See it as you take that wafer. What does it mean for you? What is God doing in your family? What is God doing in your life? What is God doing in your mind? What is God doing in your body? This is profound. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our locations, team, and what we do here at Awakened Church, go to awakenedchurch.com.